much of that is justified. Uh, preachers have been known to go on a little bit about different things, but it's good to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, appreciate the opportunity for Brother Jeremiah to uh, get a day or two off, and uh, I know he's either in church or watching. We always try to do that as we traveled, even on vacation. And so, anyway, uh, I've got a um, uh, couple of things I want to say real quick before we get to Scripture. You can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 9. Appreciate those of you that have been praying for my wife. My wife is doing great. She's here in the service. We're trying to get her back in. She, uh, her immune system is ve down very much because of some of the uh, treatments that she's been taking. And um, anyway, but God is answering prayers. People ask, well, how is she? Is she cured and all this other stuff? And God heals her every day is all I can tell you right now. And we're just trusting in him. And I don't know no greater uh, way to say it. And uh, I don't have to figure it out. She gets up every morning and goes to bed at night and uh, brought me breakfast in bed this morning. You guys eat your heart out. And uh, <clears throat> it's just so she's uh, apparently getting a little bit better. Amen, Brother Jim. And uh, so anyway, uh, the other thing I want to mention is um, we're, uh, we've got the camp up in Carson. And you hear it talked about most of the time just mention the camp, but it's uh, Cherith Youth Camp. And uh, we're, we work up there just about every week, and uh, there's a lot of, if you've ever been there before, there's a lot to do, and so I'm giving a commercial, and uh, for uh, anybody that you'd like to do something, you don't have to know anything, just be able to use your hands and your two feet, walk, walk around without falling down, we've we got just about anything and everything to do, if you're a skilled person, we're always working on buildings, and uh, we're redoing one of the buildings right now, uh, I also happen to have a Woodmiser sawmill, that I use occasionally. Right now, I've got about 3,000 board feet of lumber sitting up there at the mill that we plan to put up a, another cabin. Well, put it this way. We would like to put up another cabin. I hate to be disappointed, don't you? We plan to do this and don't get to do it, but we'd like to put up another cabin. We'd like to put up a half a dozen. But anyway, so we got a lot of stuff going on like that, and uh, so I'm just kind of throwing that at you. It would be, uh, I don't know about you, I like being a part of something that... Uh, uh, there's a blessing to somebody else. And so you think about uh, kids and what an opportunity to hear the gospel several days in a row and then also to have seeds. My exciting part about it is, number one, the gospel, then number two, to plant seeds. Probably nobody in here this morning, there's not some part of you you like to be different, more godly, more depth. And that can happen with a kid if you get the right seed in at the right time. And so We've been doing that for about 30 years, and so there's my commercial. And then one last thing before we read our scripture, we'll read scripture and then we'll pray, is that uh, how would you like to be a part of something really special that God wants to do this morning? Wouldn't that be amazing? And all you would have to do is to will in your heart, God, I would like to see something wonderful happen in spite of the guy behind the pulpit. I believe God always wants to do something special. I believe the word where it says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I'm in the midst. I believe God often shows up and goes home empty. And so tonight, uh, this morning, uh, let's, would you be willing to claim that promise that God wants to do something special this morning? There may be somebody here this morning that's lost. Likely so, right? Likely so. That's the most special person in this room, true or false, most special person here. God wants to save them from an eternity in the devil's hell and write their name in the Lamb's book of life and put them into the airship with him. Wouldn't that be amazing? And then the second thing is God wants to use his children. God, God wants to be something, a part of something special in everybody's life every day, every day. And so after I read the scripture, uh, would you be willing to pray as I pray? God, would you do what you want to do here? God, would you help me not to be a hindrance? God, would you help me to be a blessing and pray for that? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Would you do that this morning? Let's do that after I read the verses. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own country. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, 
Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it's easy to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Father, we come to you, we thank you, and we praise you for this opportunity. This morning, a lot of great things that you'd like to do. And Lord, I pray that, God, your will be done. There's no greater thing that can happen. And Lord, as we're all praying together this morning, this entire building, hopefully everybody's praying and say, God, do something special. Lord, help us with something special in my heart and my home and my family. And help this preacher to do what you want him to do. And Lord, we just, uh, we just thank you so much. We ask it in Jesus' name. And Lord, just help us to give you the praise and glory for it all. Amen. Well, amen. Good to see you here this morning. Uh, verse 2, if you look at it, verse 2, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus seeing their faith. Jesus seeing their faith. There's four men carrying a stretcher with one man. He's a palsied man. Uh, he's diseased. And uh, Jesus says to them, he said, Son, the guy on the stretcher, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. But Jesus see in their faith, and in verse 7, the Bible says he arose and departed to his house. And this is visible, it's apparent, and it's effective faith. Jesus see in their faith. Now, you and I would be nothing here this morning without our faith. If you go on through the rest of the chapter, which I'm not going to say a whole lot about it, but in verse 22, it bears mentioning, since I want to preach about faith, it says there's a woman with an issue of blood, but Jesus turned, this is after she touched him, but Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee whole, and the woman was made whole from that hour. He said, Thy faith had made thee whole. Thy faith had made thee whole. And then you go a little farther in verse 28 and 29. There's two blind men. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I'm able to do this. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, according to your faith, be it unto you. Faith is generated within our heart. I don't know about you, but I've often thought about uh, my faith and about salvation, what the Bible says, and what's available, and, you know, uh, maybe, uh, why am I not getting some of that stuff, right? And so as we think about this, and the Bible teaches us in Romans 10, 10, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Now, we know that's not the physical heart that the doctors work on. We know it's the, the, our, the, the consciousness of who we are. We're, uh, we come into this world with an eternal soul. It's a lost soul when we become accountable, and then we're born again, so the Bible says, with, with that heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Faith is generated in our heart, for by grace are you saved through faith. You've got to have the faith, and God's paid the price. And I believe the Bible teaches that it's a spontaneous occurrence born upon hope. Born upon hope. The Bible says that uh, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's born inside of every one of us. Sometimes it's a little strange trying to, trying to find out what salvation is and what it means to us and how do I get it, amen? But it's born inside of our heart. And boy, aren't you glad that it's there when the alternative is eternity in the devil's hell. That's a real place that's really hot like the Bible says it's hot. It's not just a separation. We just don't go out of existence. Boy, it's real. Boy, and I'm thankful I don't have to go there. How about you? And, and I try to tell God when I pray that I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm saved. So uh, Jesus seeing their faith and, and these uh, three instances here. And then we see that faith is generated in one's heart, a spontaneous occurrence uh, born of hope. And, uh, and then we look and see here that for all that can be said of faith, all that can be said of faith, it's spiritual. Faith is spiritual. Um, faith in God. Now, we can believe when somebody tells us something, right? 
and we can, you know, we can say, well, I'm going to be up at your house at a certain time, and, you know, uh, uh, just because they say they're going to be there, and just because we believe it doesn't mean they're going to be there at a certain time, right? And like a doctor's appointment, you know, and, and things of that nature. Uh, but for all that can be said about faith, and all these three instances that we see here, and all the instances of faith in the, in the Bible, that faith is spiritual, faith in God. Let me give you a couple more verses, and I'll give you the message. In John 4, 24, Jesus said, God is a spirit. God's in heaven. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. God's everywhere. We understand that, but God's a spirit. We can't comprehend all that, but it says God's a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When we get saved, we, 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 we have a spiritual being that's born inside of us again. Uh, we've been redeemed spiritually. We have not been redeemed physically. That's why we have trouble. We have the contradiction that we live in every day. This wants to do one thing. Our spirit wants to do the other. And so this is why faith is so important. So God's a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Verse 23, the Bible says in John 4, the first part says, True worshipers, true worshipers wor shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God's looking for you this morning. He's looking for me. He's looking for people that, that, that want to be saved. He's looking for people that, uh, that want to be a part of God's family. He's looking for people that want to relate to him and want to honor him. And he wants to do wonderful things for us. And he's got wonderful things planned for us. And so as we, we, I gave you all that and those verses there to give you what I want to preach on. I want to preach on the three states of spiritual faith. Sorry about that. Got an old pump once in a while. The three states of spiritual faith. What do you mean spiritual faith? Well, you got to have faith to get saved, right? When you get saved, you're born again, right? And we have uh, that spiritual thing inside of us, that new creature that's there. And if, if we expect to go any farther from there, we're going to have to go in the power of God, right? I don't plug into the wall every night like the cell phone. I got to get what I get from God, right? And if it's real, it's going to come from God. And if it's real, it means we're true worshipers. So three states this morning of spiritual faith. In other words, everybody in here is in one of these categories. And there's a couple of categories that at times we go back and forth. And it's all based on faith. So there's what I want to preach about this morning, what God's put upon my heart. And we can see we, we, can, uh, we, can, we can see these in this passage, okay? So here's the first thing. Here's the first one. The spiritually alive. The spiritually alive. If you're saved this morning, and I put an if to it because you're the only one that can, can deal with that if. You're the only one. I mean, it happened or it didn't happen. Well, I prayed a prayer. That don't mean it happened, right? Come on. I mean, it's real. Uh, when I put on this ring, uh, not this one because I lost the original one, uh, but I've had this one a long time. When I put on this ring, I made a commitment. I made a real commitment uh, to, to, to become married and to take care and all those yeses and do's and I wills and all that. And she did the same thing when I got married. And, and, and I made a commitment. And the Bible says, until death do you part. When you and I, when we get saved, we become spiritually alive because we were spiritually dead. In other words, we had an eternal soul, but it was a dead soul. It was as good as dead. I shot a deer one time, and uh, uh, I mentioned in the Sunday school class that, uh, you know, uh, I did some things too much. You know, you can do the right kind of things too much or things that are not wrong too much. You know, fishing is good, right? Amen? And uh, fish is, eating fish is good. And uh, fishing and hunting and things like that, I just, I went, went overboard with all those things, you know, when I was younger. And uh, I wish I had that time back, but I can't get it back. But I shot a deer one time. And uh, I used to, all I had was a shotgun, and then I got a 223. amen, wow. And boy, the big old scope, on, man, I was uptown, bought it used for my brother-in-law. And this deer comes out, and it's one of those, uh, uh, had white all over it. I mean, just amazing looking. I said, boy, I'd like to have that hide. And like to have the meat too. So I shoot the deer 
And I'd always aim for the front shoulder. I was afraid to just take a head shot or a neck shot because of the distance. And the deer takes off running like crazy. And I walk over and I look and I, and I see blood. And, and all of a sudden I start, I keep walking and I'm walking and I'm seeing, it's like somebody took, and forgive me for grossing you people out. Uh, and, and I just saw it like you just took buckets of blood and just dumped them. And I'm thinking, man, how's that? The deer was dead, but he didn't know it. I love to watch the deer. I don't care anything about shooting them anymore. I get more pleasure out of watching than shooting. Uh, we got them all over the place. So I'm trying to describe to you uh, this state of spiritually alive. Um, it is explained fully in this paralytic man. Jesus said to him in verse 5, he says, For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And these guys got on to him because he was uh, doing something only God can do. They didn't realize that he was God. But here's the deal. Forgiveness opened the door for the next miracle. The spiritually alive. I may look like a deadhead. You ever catch yourself sometimes, you just, man, you just look like you're almost drooling at the mouth and, 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 and just, man, if somebody snapped your picture, man, you sure wouldn't want to put that on your, on your mantle, right? And sometimes, sometimes, but when we get saved, we become spiritually alive. And this man became spiritually alive, and it happened by way of forgiveness. Forgiveness opened the door for this next miracle. Ephesians 2, 1, the Bible says, and you hath he quickened that were dead in trespass and sin. That word quickened means made alive. Amen? Made alive. We're alive spiritually. Uh, the three states of our spiritual faith, um, the spiritually alive. Jesus, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin. Before we got saved. Dead. I mean Dead. Dead to sin, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. That word live means alive. And so this first state of um, uh, uh, the three that I want to mention here this morning is what happened to all these folks. They were spiritually dead, and now they're spiritually alive. And this is the spiritual life part. And I want to tell you, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to you. I mean, you may, get, you may get impressed with a roller coaster, and, and I've rode a few of those in my life. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to pay somebody to get sick, right? And, and those, uh, what are those things are? You got in them things, and they just whirl you around this way and that way, and they all go around. My wife and I was on one of those when we were just 15. We were out with a group, uh, uh, a youth group. And, and man, uh, you know, you, you don't really look impressive as a young man to your future wife when you're just bent over, uh, up chucking all over the place. Uh, 15 years old, but you know, that's one of the things you can't help. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about something dynamic, wonderful, spiritually alive. How about the harlot Rahab? That person everybody looks down on. That person that's mentioned in the Bible. That person that's in the bloodline of Christ, right, brother? I mean, amen. The Bible says in Hebrews that by faith, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies in peace. Here this woman is just hearing about God from lost people. They wasn't no, she didn't hear that from a Christian. Lost people sharing the testimony of God and this woman hearing it in a heathen city like Jericho. And this woman gets saved. And then this woman starts a Bible study declaring the testimony of God. And her whole family gets saved. What did that mean? It means they were spared destruction. She won her whole family. I'd like to say to you teenagers this morning. I was reading about that boy with the five loaves and the two fishes. I think there's more of that story than the Bible tells. I ain't trying to add to the Bible, but I'd like to make a possible suggestion about this young man. There's a lad here, the apostle said. John 6, 9, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? There was 5,000 men that, 
They could have been 15,000 people. There could have been more people there. I mean, you know, if dad's going to go follow and see what all this excitement is and meet the Messiah and see all this stuff, and well, honey wants to go with him, right? And well, if she comes, the kids have got to go. I mean, it could have been, I mean, it could have been way up into the thousands. And so they're out there in the middle of nowhere, and, and Jesus said, let's feed them. A miracle in the making. I wonder if there's a miracle in the making here this morning. I mean, really. Are we here to be in a big building that's got all these electronics and the good singers and all this? Or are we maybe really here expecting God? Boy, God, you can really do something for somebody here today, maybe even for me. And so this lad here, which had five barley loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? Don't you just love it? You ever knew as kids, there was five of us, and we was always in neighborhoods in Florida and California and kids and playing this and that. You ever heard this thing of giving them a head start before you start? Y'all help me out a little bit. Did y'all ever play as kids? I mean, some of you old folks, they had playing back in your days, didn't they, where you got dirty and and tore up your britches knees and stuff like that. And you, the older one said, and the younger said, no, nah, you'll beat me. I'll give you a head start. God don't need no head start. He, he goes out of his way to make it look off balance so he can be glorified so people will have a testimony, uh, understand his testimony like Rahab. Let me go tell you about this God. Pharaoh thought they had him. You know, God can make water run uphill and also make it stand straight up on the right side and the left side. Isn't it amazing? So, so here's this lad, teenagers. I'd like to think that this young man, that he was on a mission of faith. I didn't say the Bible said that. You understand the difference in that? Oh, this guy, man, he's adding to the Bible. And all. I said, I'd like to think that this young man was on a mission of faith. I'd like to think that this young man, maybe something happened in his family, <clears throat> and maybe he had met Jesus already, and maybe he got saved. And, and I don't know what the young man was doing all that much food. Amen. That's a lot of food back then, five loaves and two fishes, toting them around. Maybe this young man said, you know what? I think there may be a need out there. Maybe God spoke to that young man's heart. I said, you know what? I could be a blessing with this. Maybe he had a delivery service for his parents, and, and, uh, and, and the guy wasn't home and supposed to get the five loaves. He's all following Jesus, and then the two fishes. I'd like to think that it, maybe he was on a mission of faith looking to fill a need. Wouldn't that be a wonderful aspiration for a young, saved person? <coughs> Excuse me. Wouldn't that be a wonderful aspiration? Looking for a need. I'm not talking about a pre-programmed. Showing up for something that everybody else is showing up for. You know, maybe there's somebody in your neighborhood. Maybe there's an older woman, a widow woman. You know, she might could get somebody to maybe wash the eve of her house. Maybe to rake your leaves. Ma'am, uh, I live down the road a little bit, and, and, and I, I know that you live here alone, and, and, and everything's growing. Could, could I cut your hedge bushes back? I mean, you talk about a testimony of God. I believe, I believe that that's a testimony of God, and I believe that falls under the category of spiritually alive. Amen? Spiritually alive. Category two, or the second state. Spiritually disabled. That come 225 feet out of the ground. The spiritually disabled. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I like water sports. I used to scuba dive. Started when I was about 17. Couldn't wait to buy a tank and a regulator and a mask and some fins. And that's all I had. Didn't have no instruction. I knew there was pressure in that tank. And I'd hook this thing up to it. And when I did that, it would come out. And when I did that, it would go out. Dumb. Go scuba diving alone. Love to swim. Love to snorkel. Love to spearfish. Just uh, anything like that. 
we got two, two of the biggest pools, uh, uh, private pools in the state, private pools, uh, not one of these big schools or something like that. I, I like water. The Apostle Peter had the opportunity to walk on water one day. Never read about it anywhere else in the Bible. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Never heard about it ever since. You've seen the picture of that guy. How'd you do that? He, and, and the other guy said, he falls in the water. He says, I know where all the stumps are. <laughs> so here's Peter walking on water in Matthew 14, 31. And the Bible says that he began to sink because he got to looking at what was going on around him. Are you looking at what's going on around you? We got the answers, don't we? Criticize the government. Uh, I mean, I'm right there with you. Talk about all these things. You know, our educational system, uh, you know, uh, they need more money and more teachers and all this other stuff. And uh, going on the third generation, and we fired God in the public school system. What do you expect, folks? Amen. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Amen. It's the home. Well, you preacher, you think you know everything, and you're just a smart mouth. Well, I may be a smart mouth, but I don't know everything. I've just read my Bible. Have you read yours? Peter walking on water, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Wherefore did thou what? Wherefore didst thou doubt? The spiritually disabled. Wasn't the first time with Peter, was it? But you know the good thing about being spiritually disabled? You don't have to stay that way. You don't have to get one of those tags and put on your car and, 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 uh, for, to be, and stay spiritually disabled. Peter got over all that, amen? He got the biggest shock of his life uh, before Christ arose. And then after he arose, he, he said, Jesus said, I'm going to send down the Holy Spirit of God. And he got in touch with the Holy Spirit of God. He got things right with God. And he was no longer spiritually disabled. Folks, I think we live in a world full of disabled professing Christians, and I don't want to beat nobody up this morning, but I want to ask you something. Like Gideon, where be all the miracles our fathers told us about? He got his eyes off of Jesus, and he became disabled. He lost all spiritual power. You ever heard about the old preachers? I mean, way back. Anybody read any books about the old preachers? Um, I started a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've had some on my bookshelves for a long time. And I've been giving away books because I said, you know what? I'll never read those books. But I kept a lot of them. And I'm reading some of them, you know, about Finney and uh, Livingstone and, and, and many of the great preachers, you know, back in the first great awakening, the second great awakening. And, and some of these men, they, they had the power of God on them. And they would just walk into a building and people would come under conviction. Was that the man or the power of God? It was the power of God. <laughs> You've not received the spirit of fear, but the power and love and a sound mind. One that works right, spiritually works right, trained out of the Bible. And so the spiritually disabled, he got his eyes off Jesus. He became disabled. He lost all spiritual power. It's kind of like maybe you and I feel. I don't know about you. I, 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 the last 10 years, I've, I've tried to, uh, Sunday being such a big day, that, uh, that I would try to kind of go easy on Monday, right? I, uh, Monday morning would be different. You know, we leave here on Sunday, and, and, and then Monday morning. It's like Monday morning. What happened last night? What happened yesterday? I'm exhausted. My mind is tired. I, I've got to go back out into the world. I've got to get back into reality. Well, if we're born again, that's not really our reality. God's just the same on Monday morning as he is on Sunday morning. Sunday night and Wednesday night. Or he's not the God of this book that you trusted in or I trusted in. The spiritually disabled. It's kind of like Monday morning. Get our eyes off God and everything else is hitting us. It's one more instance here. Witnesses came to the 11. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already been carried away. He's been buried. He has already arisen. 
Sunday morning has come. Witnesses came to the eleven. I want to tell you, if I was there, I'd be in that room with the door shut just like they were. Witnesses came to the eleven. Lazarus's sister knew of the resurrection when Lazarus died. Said, Lord, I know that he'll be raised in the resurrection. Witnesses come to the eleven. And they say, Jesus is alive. Are you with me? You know, this, you know the passage. They're in the upper room. They're, the doors are shut. Jesus is alive. No, he ain't. They're spiritually disabled. Spiritually disabled. Mary came, remember? She turned, thought it was a gardener. Rabboni, master. She hurriedly runs to tell them something wrong with her. They become spiritually disabled. The two men on the road to a mosque, Jesus comes in, he doesn't reveal who he is, and they're walking down the road and, and they're talking about uh, what's going on uh, uh, today and things. You haven't heard? They're telling Jesus. And he goes on home with them and and when they find out it's really Jesus, they go back to the 11, and they're spiritually disabled. you think they'd be standing on their feet shouting, glory, hallelujah, where's he at? Spiritually disabled. Mark 16, 14, after he appeared unto the 11, Jesus comes in now. They were sitting there eating supper. After he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief. Did you get that word? Upbraided them. He reproved them. Three and a half years. He reproved them. He upbraided them. Because of their unbelief and hardness of heart. You know if you stay in unbelief spiritually and you stay disabled spiritually do you know you can get hardened you know what that means that's got a hollow sound you go do this to a tree you'll have a that's hollow it'll have a solid sound it means it's the same way through and through and you hadn't left god much to work with been there how about you Go through all the motions of coming to church, paying your tithe, correcting your kids, all the things you're supposed to be doing, but spiritually disabled. He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed them not which had seen him after he had, was risen. I need some of that upbraiding quite regular. Monday morning, doesn't happen to me just on Monday morning. It happens all through the week, amen? I find that, it can, that my countenance, my spiritual countenance, can change from the morning time to noon time and then back in the evening time. If I had a car on the road like that, I'd probably get rid of it. So we got the spiritually alive. We got the spiritually disabled. Acts chapter 12, got to tell you this one. Oh, Peter, don't you just love Peter? What's your first question you're going to ask him when you see him? I don't know, but I'll get to see him. Remember Peter and, and James was arrested? Acts 12, hang with me. And Herod killed James. And boy, he got a lot of kudos from the, from, the, from the Jewish community when he did that. And he kept Peter in there. And God busted him out. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God busted him out. Wasn't the first time, right? And so at, at John Mark's house, they're having a prayer meeting. Read about it. They're having a prayer meeting. 
And I don't know what they were praying, but they were praying for Peter. And I think they were probably praying that Peter would not get executed like James did. And I think they were probably praying for Peter. God, oh Lord, get him out of jail. Don't you think that's what they were praying? Well, the Lord does exactly that. The Lord showed up. Got him out of jail. Peter gets out. He don't know whether he's in a trance. You know, he gets out past this gate and that gate, and he gets outside, and the angel leaves all by himself. said, man, how did I get here? It must be real. Amen. It ain't a dream. So Peter goes to John Mark's house. I'm here. God got me out. Little girl comes to the door and looks, and she's so shocked and amazed, and she's, she's just flabbergasted. She don't open the door. She goes back to tell all the folks back there in the prayer meeting, he's here, he's here, he's here. God has answered our prayer. I wrote it down. Acts 12, thou art mad. Doesn't mean she was angry. It means she was Looney Tunes, right? Were they just going through the emotion, the, the emotions of prayer? Or were they really praying? Well, somebody must have been really praying. I think God wanted him out of there too. The spiritually disabled, thou art mad. And then finally, this bad, the spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1, one more time. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. I remember what it was like to be dead spiritually. I remember what it was like a, a teenager getting to school before first period, before homeroom. Going to the basketball court and shooting baskets with the other guys and hear one of them cuss and, man, that sounds pretty good. I think I'm going to try that. So I cussed to be big like them, be like the world. You know, the world wants to be like the world. And I was dead in trespasses and sins. And everything I got around, I was always shy. So if I could do something some of the other guys was doing in the in crowd, it made me part, seem, feel like part of the in crowd. You know what I found out? Kids ain't no different today, mom and dad. They're no different today. You can leave two teenagers alone in this church house, and the same thing is capable as two kids left alone at your house. And you'd better not forget it. Spiritually dead. Here's what Paul said about himself. Romans 7, 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Paul thought he was God's man doing God's work, and if he had died, he would have busted hell wide open. But Jesus appeared to him. And when you and I get to the point, you talk about accountability, it's when you, read, when, when you find out through preaching, you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God deals with you, that you are a sinner. And the Holy Spirit of God brings conviction on you, my friend. <laughs> I mean, you are dead. I watched a little girl in, in church only 11 o'clock amen I figured I'd give one of brother Jeremiah's in there to let you know that we are related I watched this little girl I can't remember her name I remember her face I remember her mom they lived down the road from the church and seminary we went down there and knocked on their door and invited them to church her marriage had busted up and having problems and and I watched that little girl during service as I was preaching and I watched her look at her mom and she asked her mom this question. I could read her lips. She looked over to mom right there at the second row. She says, Mom, I'm not going to heaven. I watched her mother look back at her. Tears welled up in her eyes, the mother. What could she tell her? She's there in church. No, honey. And I think she probably said something like, well, I'll talk to you about it. She died. 
not physically. I was alive without the law once. The commandment came, sin revived, and I died. She became a cannibal right there in front of my eyes. I watched God working. The little girl got saved. A few days later, got saved. The spiritually dead, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That will never change. One day in heaven, I read it twice from this pulpit over the last two weeks, two, two and a half weeks, at Miss Linda's funeral. And at Brother John Thatch's funeral. A text that Brother John had sent me. And in that text, there'll be no more death. Are you excited? Never more a funeral. The spiritually dead. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There's coming a time there'll be no more death. But until that time of the new heaven and the new earth, there'll be payments made for sin, and Jesus made it. And when you become accountable, you're dead. As good as dead as that deer I mentioned earlier. The spiritually dead. You'll face the wrath of God. Who are you? I'm just a guy reading the Bible. You'll face the wrath of God. What's the wrath of God? It's the punishment for your sin personally. You'll pay for it. Because you rejected Jesus Christ. God's mean, no? He gave you every chance in the world. If you heard it once, you're accountable. If that Holy Spirit ever came into your heart and touched your heart so real, and it may have been just a moment, and you know you're a sinner, and you reject Christ one time, you're no longer unaccountable. The spiritually dead, you'll face the wrath of God. I'm going to hurry. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 and verse 10. I'm just going to read a piece of it. The Bible says that Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. What did you say? Delivered us from the wrath to come. You know how sorry, low down, and rotten we are? Just for what's went on today. Jesus paid the debt. How do you get over that? We still have that wicked part that we exist in. Can't make believe it's not there, it's there. Oh, you, Paul said you've got to grab it up by the nap of the neck and bring it under subjection. Spiritually dead. You'll face the wrath of God. There's four key examples in the Bible. And I'm going to give you three of them anyway. And then we're going to pray and have invitation. You're trying to scare me? No. I'm, just, I'm scared just here myself. I'm also so thankful, amen? I'm one of the number. Well, boy, you look funny. And your hair's missing. Hey, I don't care. God don't care. I'm one of the number. Get over it. Genesis 7. Noah. He preached for at least 100 years. Could have been 120. You do the math. I'm kind of a math guy. I want to know the numbers and stuff like that. I'm not a genius like the brother over there. But, uh, but I, I excelled in math. And I... I I want, I, want, I want to know. But for 100, 120 years, Noah preached that what's coming? Wrath. The loving, kind God. Six chapters into the book of Genesis. And, and, and the, the fallen man, he's corrupted everything and there's violence. 
Jesus said it'd be like that when he comes back. Anybody notice that? God's smart, ain't he? Genesis chapter 7, all but eight were destroyed. People ask dumb questions. How can a loving, kind God do that? Because he's God. And because he's perfect. And because he's pure. And if you want to go to heaven in an unclean body with an unclean soul, you would immediately be incinerated. No man's seen God live. Well, what about the... Moses was very special, and he saw God's hind parts as he passed by. He had to put his hand over the cave that he put him in. All but seven. I'm sorry, all but eight were destroyed. What was that? It's the wrath of God. God was done. God was done. That's coming again. Genesis 19, we we talked about... uh, We didn't talk about Sodom, but Genesis 19. So that was a pretty big city. They've done excavations over there. Said so they found tombs of, of 20,000 people, 20,000 tombs in that area. That's a lot of people, right? A lot of dead people. Um, a lot of people. Four people walked out of Sodom. What happened? Fire and brimstone. Could you imagine living far enough away not to be a part of it, but to live close enough to see it, the impression that it would make on your mind about God. And some of these literary so-called Christian scientists try explaining away through natural occurrences. Why try to explain it away? It's coming again. Four people. Four people. All but four people were destroyed. And one backslid before they got outside the side of the city and was turned into a pillar of salt. God's loving and kind. And he makes an opportunity for us to be saved. He makes an opportunity for us to learn what holiness is. When was the last time you heard the word holiness? Holy living. Hmm? Joshua chapter 6. We talked about this family, Rahab's family. All but one woman's family was destroyed. And don't you just love how the Bible reads? It's like a cliffhanger. Could you imagine telling the president, telling one of the generals, I want you to go over to Ukraine, and we're going to fix this. And gives them instructions like God gave Joshua. I want you to get everybody together. Uh, I want you to get... You know, we don't have the ark anymore, but I want you to get everything that represents God. Maybe, maybe, a, maybe a, a thousand men to walk in front of the, the army with Bibles and whatever else. And, and I want them to walk around the city and with, with, with all of the, the holiness of God. And, and I want you to do that once a day. And, and then on the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. And then I want you to blow the horns and the walls are going to fall down flat. Well, the water was a miracle, God's wrath. The fire and brimstone was a miracle, the power of God. And the walls falling out flat where they could go in was the power of God. Don't deny him. It's the wrath of God. And this one woman and her family, because she got saved and she shared the testimony of God like she heard it with the rest of her family, many of them got saved and when the walls fell down, they fell everywhere except for at her house. Her house was built on the city wall. God crosses his T's and he dots his eyes. You folks that still got kids at home, praise God for, for, for a, a, a holy family that's doing your best and you're staying right and you have the Monday mornings, but you get it right with God and you're spiritually alive, and you can trust God when your child goes off to school, or you can trust God that he's going to watch over you and them. There's one last one. It's the fourth one. You heard of tribulation? I'm not going in second gear, so I close my Bible. Tribulation, seven years, 
rapture, seven years tribulation, thousand year millennial reign, battle of Armageddon back in there. During the tribulation period, some of you are thinking, you should show you how wicked mind that you can have, and even in a young person with a wicked mind. When I came under conviction initially as a nine-year-old kid, there was nobody to, to recognize what was going on, and I didn't know what to do, and we didn't go to church, and I went to church with my grandma. Your grandmas hang in there, amen? Grab them babies, get them there every time you can. And uh, I'd heard enough to be under conviction about that, and I was under conviction up until age 17. And the devil, because he's my spiritual father, we'd have discussions. He would speak things in my head. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. The Bible says that God's wrath, when it's poured out, that, 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 that men will, will cry and say, mountains fall on us. I said, I'll find a pretty strong cave and I'll outlive it. And I said, well, I'll just put it off and I'll wait. You know, the Bible says if you get your head cut off in the tribulation, all this weird stuff, you know. And all I had to do was trust in Jesus. Hardening, 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 hardening. Spiritually dead. But I got saved. That's another, another story. But here's the last one, the wrath of God. If you're waiting on surviving through the rapture and say, well, I'm going to just kind of enjoy things like they are and, and I'll just get saved in that seven-year tribulation. Can I first say idiot? I'm smiling. That's a, I, I have to work at a smile. Half the population will die. More than half the population will die under the wrath of God. Those seven years is not Satan's heyday. There's some crazy, wild, weird things going to happen. But the theme of the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 6, verse 17, I think it is. The theme of the, of, of the tribulation period is the wrath of God. And I'm just sharing with you spiritually dead and I'm saying to the lost this morning that God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life Jesus didn't come to condemn we're condemned already I invite you this morning during this invitation time we prayed that God do something special you may be here and you're not sure Get down this aisle. There'll be men down here. Say, I need to go in the back room. Doesn't matter. But then, maybe there's some spiritually disabled. Maybe you have too many Monday mornings. And you'd like to say, boy, I sure remember what it was to be alive spiritually. Instead of just going through the routine. Peter got it back. And you can have it back. I don't know. I thank God sent me to preach to somebody. Father, we thank you so much for loving.